Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Hey everybody, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coastal Community Church. Uh, welcome everybody online. Uh, welcome all of you, these beautiful people here. Uh, it's a great, great day. I am, I am pumped up about today. I'm pumped up about this new series. I feel like I'm ready to preach. I have got the full armor of God on. In fact, Ephesians 6.15 says, For shoes... Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Check them out. Check them out. Woo! I'm sporting uh, coastal shoes this morning, and uh, they were. We had our staff Christmas party last night, and uh, so kind of the the annual Christmas gift for the staff. Uh, we got coastal shoes. So uh, some of them are wearing them, some of them are not. Uh, they're not Air Jordans or you know Gucci or whatever, but I might sign them, and they might be worth something someday. So. Uh, Anyway, yeah, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, as Scott said, around here. So my question for you is, are you ready? Are you ready for Christmas? Well, guess what? Whether you're ready or not, it's coming. In fact, you ready for this? It is three weeks away from today. Today, I know, I know, I just blew your mind, didn't I? For some of you, you're very, very excited, but for a lot of you, you are now completely freaking out. The thought that it is just three weeks away from today. Now, raise your hand um, if you have not yet started your Christmas shopping. Okay, very good. Okay, now, okay, well, well, hold on a second. Husbands, turn to your wives right now and say, honey, have we started our Christmas shopping, okay? I know how it works, yeah. Um, Let me ask this. Is there anybody here who has done, completed all their Christmas shopping? Wow, a few of you. You can leave now because no no perfect people are accepted here, you know? Um, No, no, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Um, Now, for those of you who still need a little help uh, with Christmas, we're going to play a little game today. So let's pray. Let's let's play. Let's pretend for a moment uh, that I'm Santa Claus. Now I know that's not a big stretch. I get it, but um, let's pretend that I'm Santa Claus. But um, if you could ask for and receive anything, anything you want for Christmas, any gift, think about it for a second. What would it be? Uh, if you're watching online, maybe just uh, leave a little comment. You know, this is, if I could get anything for Christmas, this is what I would ask for. Maybe a new car, uh, a new home, um, you know, some money. What would it be? In fact, if you have teenagers, that's pretty easy. What do they want? Money. That's exactly right, right? And that's probably what a lot of you might ask for as well. Or maybe today uh, you are single and you want to be married. You know, you'd ask for a husband or a wife. That Raise your hand if you'd like a husband. No, I'm just joking. I thought we could do that, and then we'd see the, everybody raise your hand. You could look around, and maybe I'd set you up with somebody, so, or that would help. Um, or maybe you are married, and uh, you want a gift exchange. No, no, don't, 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 don't raise your hand. No, no upgrades, no new model, nothing like that. Um, maybe some of you would ask for beauty or fame, uh, health. Uh, well, On the very first Christmas, when the angels came to announce the birth of Christ, do you remember what they said? Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, what? Peace to those on whom his favor rests. You know, when Jesus would uh, talk to people, greet them uh, coming or going, uh, he would often say things like, 
peace be with you. Or after something would happen, maybe even something very traumatic, he would often say, now go in peace. Um, We've been making our way through the book of Romans this year. Uh, Do you remember the greeting that Paul used in the very beginning of his letter? It's there on your outline, Romans 1-7. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and what? Peace. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Think about that for just a moment. Grace and peace. Think about all the other things that the Apostle Paul could have said, but he didn't say in his greeting. That was a very uh, you know, common greeting in most of his, uh, uh, most of his epistles that he wrote. Uh, he could have said grace and popularity, because a lot of people want that. Uh, he could have said grace and power, or grace and riches. He could have said grace and TikTok fame, uh, but he didn't say any of those things. He said grace and peace to you. You see, I would submit that what so many people really want in life, what they're searching for, whether they know it or not, what they're really wanting this Christmas is peace, real peace. You know, a peace that the world doesn't fully understand, a peace from heaven, a divine peace that only God can give because I don't know if you know this or not, but you know, you can have all the money in the world but not have peace in your heart, right? You can be successful on the outside, but on the inside, incredibly empty. You can be married and not have peace in your home. You can, um, you, know, you can have all the things that this world might offer and still not be at peace. And I would argue, again, that what a lot of people want, and maybe they don't even know they want it or need it, but it is a peace that comes from God. And yet what so many of us don't have Um, is peace. You know, we have just the opposite. We have tension. We're afraid. We're worried. We're anxious. You know, when, when you think about your relationships with your family and your friends, what do you want? You want peace, right? You want harmony. You want understanding. But so often we have just the opposite, don't we? We have misunderstanding. We have disagreements. We have hurtful feelings and bitterness and unforgiveness. We truly want peace. I think the question of the day is this. Is peace even possible today? Is it? Well, that's what our Christmas series is all about this year. It's about peace. And I want to show you from God's word that It is more than possible. It's actually God's gift to you. You know, the message of peace literally dominates the entire Bible. You know, think about it. It opens with peace in the Garden of Eden. It closes with peace for all eternity. Uh, It contains more than 400 references to peace, describing either the peace of God, peace with God, peace among people. The Bible refers to God as the the God of peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Uh, In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us that God blesses those who will pursue peace. And in Galatians 5, peace is listed as one of the fruit of the Spirit. So it's obvious that God wants you and me. He wants his people to be marked by peace. So today, look with me in Isaiah chapter 26. It's on the screen. It'll be, it's on your outline. And if you have your Bible app, you can look it up and follow along. So in a time much like today that was filled with fear and worry and anxiety, the prophet Isaiah told about a day uh, of unbridled worship 
A day that would be filled with peace and praise for the goodness of God. Isaiah 26, verses 1 through 4. Listen to this. In that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter. And then listen to this. You will keep in perfect peace. And I want you to underline that phrase, circle it, highlight it. Perfect peace. All who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Man, I don't know about you, but I love this promise. I want this promise. I need this promise. You will be kept in perfect peace. Now, again, I I don't know about you, but I, I tend to be more familiar with imperfect peace, right? Inconsistent peace. Can anybody else relate to that? Imperfect peace, inconsistent peace. You know, it's where, it's like you can have peace for one moment. You know, one moment. And like you can pray a prayer to God. Man, you can feel like you're trusting him with something. And you almost feel like you really are just handing over this burden to God. And and you're fine for like three minutes, five minutes or so. And then suddenly you're like panicking like, God, why haven't you done anything yet? You know, why haven't you done something about what I've asked you about? God, where are you? You know, it's like you can have this moment of joy and peace and, and you really sense, you know, the presence of God and yet just moments later be overcome with this sense of anxiety or dread or fear or personal insecurity. You know, I, I don't know about you, but there are times when I'm way more familiar with imperfect peace and yet God promises us here perfect peace. So what is it? Let's talk about it. Uh, The word peace in the Old Testament, it comes from a a really rich Hebrew word. Uh, It's the word shalom, right? Shalom. Uh, It's actually a Jewish greeting. And and I know that's a term that many of you are familiar with, but it's really not an easy word to translate because there's not an English uh, equivalent, you know, in our language to it. Uh, It actually encompasses all these things. It means peace in the sense of fulfillment, Um, contentment, well-being. It it conveys this idea of wholeness, uh, beauty. So it's it's a wholeness and a harmony, you know, that's connected, first of all, to relationships, uh, especially our relationship with God, but also with other people. In fact, uh, in the Old Testament, in the Jewish life, the Hebrew life, it was one of the the richest blessings in life. Uh, You're familiar with this, uh, Numbers 6, 24 through 26. God gave Moses these words to use when blessing uh, his people, and you've heard this before. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you what? Peace. And that's the word shalom there. So think about it. If shalom is about, you know, completeness and wholeness, the opposite of that would be a divided mind, a mind in pieces. Do you know what word is translated a divided mind in the New Testament? Worry. Worry is the opposite of peace. You know, it's, it's a mind in pieces, a divided mind. Now, 
What's so interesting, though, is that in the original language in this passage in Isaiah 26, it actually says this. You will be kept in shalom, shalom. The word shalom appears twice. In other words, it's, a, it's an emphatic statement in the Hebrew language. And it's like it's saying, okay, you get a double portion of peace. God's saying, okay, I will give you your portion of peace, and then I'm going to give you even more, overflowing. It is a perfect, complete peace. It goes beyond our ability to understand. So this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to look at several truths about God's peace, because it truly is his gift to you. Now, before we really understand what it is, I want to talk just a little bit about what it's not, okay? So number one, peace is not the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of conflict. Peace doesn't mean that you're not going to have trouble, hardship in this world. In fact, Jesus was really clear about that. Uh, in John 16, he said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. But in this world, you will have what? Trouble. Trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now again, it doesn't mean you're not gonna have problems. It doesn't mean that you know, your car's not gonna break down or some appliances don't break, you don't have to buy another one. It doesn't mean that you know, your kids aren't gonna fight on the way to church, right? It doesn't mean that you know, your spouse isn't gonna get on your nerves, you know, none of that. You know, Romans 14, 19 says this, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Now, what does it mean here to make every effort? It means it's hard. It means you gotta work, work at it. And it, it also means that we, that we face our disagreements and we deal with them in a godly way. I think, I think every marriage needs to hear this today. Really, really every relationship, you know, the true mark of peace is not the absence of problems or conflict. It's the presence of a reconciling spirit. It's the presence of a reconciling spirit. It's the commitment that we make to each other that enables us to walk through our differences and our disagreements. It's knowing that, you know, nobody's going to bail out, you know, just because of problems. Now, that's not always easy. And sometimes it is impossible. You know, this is not heaven. People do give up. People do bail. And in those times, all we can do is examine our own heart, our own actions, and then just Walk out humbly the truth of Romans 12, 18. If it is possible. Now that tells me that sometimes it's not. If it is possible as far as it depends on who? You. You know, live at peace with everyone. So peace is not the absence of conflict. Number two, peace is also more than just the absence of activity. The absence of activity. I know so often we use the phrase peace and quiet, right? Peace and quiet to refer to our need, you know, slow down, you know, maybe, you know, obey that Sabbath principle, you know. But God's peace is far more than just less activity. 
okay? Peace is not just getting away from it all. You know, it's, it's not taking a vacation. You know, you might go on a vacation from time to time. You might, you know, get away from it all. And you might need that. But guess what? You come back from your vacation and you come back to what? Your problems. You know, the turmoil. You see, what I'm saying is that God offers a peace in the middle of the storm. You know, right where you're at, right where you live. Because some of you might want to push back a little bit with, you know, well, that's all fine and good, Pastor Chris, but you see, my marriage is awful right now. You know, where's the peace in that? You know, my body is falling apart. Where's my peace? I'm trying to hold it together financially, and yeah, Christmas is coming three weeks away, you say, and the bills are piling up. Where's the peace in that? You know, I got a child that's struggling on drugs. We got pornography in our house. Where's my peace? I think what you're really asking is how then do you experience that, that shalom, shalom of God? That perfect peace. How do you experience the perfect peace of God again in the middle of the storm? Well, let's take a look at it. You know, what does the Bible say? Well, number three, we need to understand that the battle for peace, it begins in our minds. It begins in our minds. Did you know that there is a war that's being waged in your mind? How many of you would agree with that? There is a war in my mind. You know, there's one in mind all the time. I mean, think about it. You know, you can know the truth of God, right? You know, you hear it, you read it, you know it, and then yet your mind wanders into all sorts of untruths. Or even more accurately, I can believe wholeheartedly, you know, the truth and the promises of God for you, but then, you know, I'll doubt it when when it comes to me. You ever like that? You know, there's this war going on in our minds between what God says and what our mind tends to wrongly believe. The battle for peace begins in your mind. In fact, go back to our passage, Isaiah 26. Look at verse three again. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Their thoughts are fixed on the truth of God. Notice what Isaiah doesn't say. You will have perfect peace when your mind is fixed on Fox or CNN News. It doesn't say you will have perfect peace when you spend hour upon hour scrolling through social media. It doesn't say you will have perfect peace whenever your mind is fixed on your financial problems, your health problems. No. You will have perfect peace when your mind is fixed and focused on the truth of God. In fact, the Hebrew word that's translated there as fixed means to lean on completely. You'll have perfect peace when your thoughts are fully resting and leaning completely on God's unfailing promises. So the question of the day really ought to be this. What's your mind fixed on? Where does your mind drift? What what do you focus on? What consumes your thoughts and your mind? Again, some of you might say, my financial worries consume my mind. 
Some of you might say politics consumes your thoughts or, or work or sports or it might be your health. Again, maybe your, your mind is just fixed on all the things that are wrong in this world right now. No wonder you're not experiencing peace. Look at Philippians 4, 8 and 9. It says, fix your thoughts, not on whatever creates fear, not on what gives you anxiety, not on the bad news of this world, but fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. What do you do? He says, think about those things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And then when you, when you do that, when your mind is fixed on God, when your mind is fixed you're focused on what's true and right and admirable and worthy of praise, then what? The God of peace will be with you. The God of peace. When's the God of peace with you? When your minds are fixed, leaning completely on him. Again, we need to understand that peace isn't found in the absence of conflict, the absence of activity. But number four, peace is truly found in the presence of God. In the presence of God. Now, what do we know about God? Well, God is always good his promises are always true. His word never fails. When I am lost, he is my guide. When I am weak, he is my strength. And when your mind is fixed on him, he will offer you his shalom, shalom. Perfect peace. This is what Jesus said in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. And then he says something I don't want you to miss. He says, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And because I give you my peace, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Again, notice he says, my peace I give to you. He's not giving you a peace. He's giving you his peace. There's a powerful uh, story in the New Testament, Mark chapter four, uh, when the disciples are you know, out on a boat, this huge storm comes blowing in. The storm is so massive, you know, the, the disciples are afraid for their lives, and they did what most people do, what most of us would do. We start, you know, we, we'd freak out. We'd freak out. That, that's what they did. What is Jesus doing? He's taking a nap. He's taking a nap. And what's interesting to me there is that there's really two storms going on that day. There's one that's obvious and visible to the, to the eye, you know, the thunder, the lightning, the wind, the waves, all of it. But there's another storm, not on the outside, but on the inside. And I don't know about how it is for you, but so often, you know, the storm on the inside is way harder to manage and deal with than the storm on the outside. I mean, I can look fine to you, you know, on, on, on the outside, but on the inside. I mean, sometimes we're consumed with, with fear and anxiety and doubt and worry. And it was the storm on the inside that day that led the disciples to cry out to Jesus, Jesus, I mean, do you even care? We're gonna die. And, you know, for, for some of you right now, it is the storm on the inside that might be causing you to cry out to Jesus. Jesus, are you there? Do you even notice? You know, I've prayed, I'm waiting, I'm crying, I'm looking, I don't see you. It appears like you're just taking a nap. And Jesus, he walks out very calmly. Maybe he even, 
you know, stretched. That's what I think. I think he stretched and yawned a little bit. And in the middle of that storm, with the power of God, he declared, peace, be still. And it was all calm. Jesus, who is peace, gives you his peace. Where you can be kept in perfect peace. When your mind is fixed on him. See, here's the point of the day. The point of the series. Peace is a person. Peace is not the absence of you know, going through the storms of life. Peace is knowing that in the middle of the storm, Jesus is right there with you every step of the way. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Go back just two verses in Philippians there. Don't worry about anything. Instead, what? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Look at those four things there. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. Then, then you will experience what? God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That's that, man, this is such a powerful, powerful verse. He's saying that experience, experiencing God's peace comes from trusting God, casting all your worries on him. In fact, the word worry there literally means to be strangled, to be strangled. That's what worry does, right? And he's saying that's not God's desire for you. For us as believers, he wants to set us free from all of that. And what's interesting, it says here that his peace will guard your hearts and minds. The word guard there is actually a military term, a military term. And it means to set a military guard, a military garrison in place for our protection. In other words, you know, when God's peace comes into your life, it it acts as as though it's a supernatural army guarding and protecting your hearts and minds against enemy attack. Hey, speaking of army in a military term, man, guess what? All the vet gift tags have been taken. All of them, all of them. In fact, so you, you got one, hey, bring them back uh, this coming Sunday, the 11th. Uh, make sure you bring them wrapped or bagged, and man, we're gonna have a great, great party uh, on the 17th out at Charleston Vets. But again, it, it's a military term. A military garrison protecting your hearts and your minds. You know, the Bible ultimately talks about two kinds of peace. Peace with God and then the peace of God. The peace of God is what we've been talking about today. But that comes after we have peace with God. What is peace with God? You know, sometimes... um, People will ask somebody, you know, who is dying, you know, has got a terminal disease and kind of toward the end of their life, you know, they'll have those really, you know, kind of serious meeting. Well, in some way, somehow, they'll basically ask, hey, have you made your peace with God? Right? Have you made your peace with God? And and I know what and I know what they mean. I know they mean well, but I want you to hear something very, very carefully. In and of ourselves, okay? You and I cannot make peace with God. We're not good enough. We're not able to. 
My point is, Jesus has already made it. Jesus has made it. And we come to God by accepting his terms of peace. Did you hear that? Romans 5.1. Go back to Romans. I know I'm like a, a consumed with Romans now, so I go back to that all the time. Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what because of what we did, right? Because of how good I am. Because of my religion. Because of I'm, I'm good enough. It doesn't say any of that, does it? Because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done from, for us. We have peace because of our faith in him. Now this might sound shocking. But before becoming a Christian, we weren't at peace with God. We were at war with God. We were in opposition to God because of our sin. That's what our Roman study has been talking about. And that's why so many people aren't experiencing peace in their lives right now. You're still at war with them because of your sin. Listen, that's why Jesus came into the world in the first place. Yes, he came at Christmas. He came as a baby. He lived a perfect life. He died a brutal death on the cross, and he rose again three days later, and he proved that he was God. He proved that he could forgive your sin and mine. And if you've never put your faith in Christ yet, you are at war with God, and it's time for you to surrender to the Prince of Peace. Maybe that's why you're here today. You didn't realize it, but you know it. You're here because you don't have peace. Your life's in turmoil. There's conflict and pain and problems and unrest, and you don't know why. It's because you're still at war with God. Peace with God enables us to have the peace of God. Another way to say that is we can't have the peace of God until we truly know the the God of peace. So as we close today, I want to give you an opportunity to ask Jesus to come into your life. I mean, you might have all the trappings of this world. You might have money and power and prestige and everything that comes with all that stuff. But the truth be told, if you're honest, you know you're empty. And that's by design. God designed us in such a way that nothing, nothing beside a personal, intimate relationship with him would ever satisfy us. Maybe your life hasn't turned out the way you hoped. God wants you to know that Jesus died for you and he has a plan for your life. He's not finished with you. Maybe something terrible has happened in your life and as a result, today you're here in a lot of pain. Listen, your loving Heavenly Father, his heart breaks for you. And more than anyone, he understands your pain. He didn't cause it, but if you'll let him, he does have the miraculous ability to even use it for good in your life and to bring glory. Maybe maybe you do know the Lord, but you've walked away from him. God wants you to know that his arms are wide open to receive you back home. So we're gonna pray and I'm gonna challenge you to make a decision for Jesus today. Maybe to come back home. Maybe it's to follow him for the very first time. 
And I'm not inviting you into, you know, religion or a bunch of rules. I'm inviting you into a personal relationship with Jesus because he is the only one that can change your life and give you his peace. And you can be at peace with God today and experience the peace of God. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for all the miracles associated with Christmas. Thank you for the greatest gift of all, the gift of Jesus. And Father, I believe week in and week out, there are people here every Sunday. There are people here watching online that are ready to make a decision, ready to take that next step. Maybe you've already given your life to Christ. Maybe you've just simply walked away, but you're ready to come home. You're ready to come back. You've, your life is full of turmoil. And you know it's because you've walked away from that intimate relationship with Jesus. Come home today. Come home. It's one step. Come home. Maybe you are here and you know that you really are at war with God today because of your sin. Just, just admit it before a, a loving, holy God today. Say, God, I, I know it. I admit it. I am a sinner and I need a Savior. And I believe today that one has been provided. I believe today that Jesus really is your son. And as much as I know how, as much as I understand, I surrender to him today. I bow the knee. I surrender. I ask him to be my Lord, my Savior. And for the rest of my life, God, I just want to follow him. I want to follow him. I believe that he went to the cross for me. I believe that he rose from the dead and he is alive. And I believe today, by faith, fully trusting in him, that he is my Savior and my Lord forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.